Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 127 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's... it's been a week. <laughs> it's it's been yeah. I know you've 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 had some stuff going on, like some kind of serious stuff going on. Yeah, some family stuff. Um, uh, luckily, not Vicky and I are fine, but uh, extended family. We we definitely have some stuff going on. Uh, everybody seems to be okay at the moment, but uh, the we're we're still getting information on it. But uh, and then work got super ridiculous. Uh, in the last 48 hours. Both so. of our games had to be called off. Yeah. Mine because of uh, uh, illness, illness with one of our players. Yep. Uh, Who I hope is doing very well. Uh, it would not Confirmed, not COVID. It's not a, COVID. It was, yep. it was a, different, a different thing. That's, yep. a, that's a chronic thing. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, so at least a known quantity. Yes. Um, but uh, unfortunate nonetheless. And then, of course, your family stuff cropping up. Uh, yeah. Had to cancel your game to keep your schedule availability open and such like that. So, so. we're pushing games to next month now. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be next month because this whole this whole month of October is uh, messed up. Yeah. You're going on vacation at the end of the month. I am. Uh, so we're going to have to have a pre-recorded show in the can. Yep, yep. Um, sorry, sorry, guys. There's going to be a Wednesday when it isn't going to be live. We're yeah. sorry. We will we'll keep the release schedule, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna we're gonna pre-record, so uh, yeah. that'll that'll still be coming out. But uh, uh, but yeah, you're going going uh, going to Disney World. If all goes well, we will be in Disney World by the end of this month. All right. So see for me, it's been one of those weird weeks where like um, I, I don't know if it's like it's it's probably the seasonal affective disorder kicking in with like the cooler temperatures and the gloominess and the rain that we've been having. Mm-hmm. But like every single time I I, I see, oh I don't know society. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I am disappointed in it, <laughs> and just my solution to that is just well I don't want to interact with them anymore. Yep. Who's who's them? Them, the them, the anybody, they, everyone, everybody. Yeah. I'm just going to become a hermit, recluse, you know. Yep. yep. And just never talk to anyone ever again. So that that's been my mood all week. Yeah, you're you're Gary Oldman in uh, uh, in uh, was it the the assassin movie uh, where he's just like, who is oh, them? The everyone, all of them. Yeah, as a, uh, the professional. Thank you, thank you. Yes, yeah. Because uh, the actual, what is it, uh, Leon? Is the French yeah. name on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the, the, the scene is he's like he's like you know get get everyone get, get like, them all what get, what, oh, what get get who everyone <laughs> yeah. and and they do they do ah uh. but uh we have an interesting show tonight uh, unfortunately no no tidbits to fill in about our own canceled games but no. yeah, uh, we have not. a great discussion about. A little thing that I like to call the hero contrivance, which I think is great because it actually, when we when this first came up, I had to look up contrivance because my brain thought it was one thing and the definition was relatively close to that, and it was like, oh, okay, so I am in the right, you know, my English is going in the right direction. <laughs> it, it, no, see, you've you've looked up the actual definition of the word. Please, please check me and make sure that I'm using this word correctly. But it's it's the arrangement of things to make that one thing work, right? Correct, but also to an awkward state. Yes, to an awkward state, exactly. Uh, the deflector shield is a contrivance in itself. Yes. Um. So, you know, it's, it, it is often, if there's an object, it is a MacGuffin, is the contrivance. Um. It is, it, it is contrived what is happening. Um. And, and the hero contrivance, we kind of, which I, I like that you came up with the term. Um. I think we have 
two directions that we kind of thought about it, which is good because I think both are true in the hero contrivance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the two the two sides of the hero contrivance, um, as as we've kind of uh, come to examine them, is uh, there there's two big um, major areas where plot holes or or inconsistencies can occur mm-hmm. um, for your fair players and. Yep. Uh, all having to do with them being the quote-unquote heroes, the main characters of the story, and mm-hmm. why the story is all being told about them and why everything revolves around them. Yes. Uh, those two sides are the only-you-can-fix-the-problem uh, uh, contrivance. Right. And the the other one is the world doesn't move unless you do. Which is Which I you could argue isn't a contrivance in itself. But because the world doesn't move without you, it is a contrivance. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's probably not a contrivance. Um, in, but I in, think it fits in, still. in the in the definition of the term. But what, yeah. but what it is though is it's a uh, it's a place where your storytelling can fall apart. And I, I, it's maybe maybe like a the closest thing to it would be like a logical fallacy. Like yes, a, almost an, an inconsistency. It's not even really a plot hole. It's just no, a. No. It's a it's a place where your players will see the seams, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they'll 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 see the set. It's the it's the storytelling equivalent of having a boom mic or a camera. Yes, uh, yes. in 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 the camera. The break. You know, and... It's the break in the scenery. It's the you know. It, it's it's the coffee cup on the table. Yes, you know. It, you it's know, the it, Spartan it, with a wristwatch. Correct. Yeah. All of those things. It's all of those things. Um, and so uh. You know who who amongst you has has been running a D and D game, and the uh, the king has been like, "Hey, uh, well, I've summoned up you random adventurers because there is a problem in my kingdom, and I need you to go handle it." You're and a... one of your players <laughs> looks this guy in the eye and goes, "Aren't you a king? Don't you have like?" people subjects and an army and like guards we're like some randos that you scooped out of the town's tavern i was half drunk at the time Mm -hmm. like don't you have like a spy master or like a standing military you got to be a king somehow right exactly you have resources (laughs) use them why do you need us and that's that's the hero contrivance in action right there Mm -hmm. okay that's where you have that moment where your 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 players see the seams in your plot and go, yep. hold on a minute. And I, I I think that steps us into the first one, which is is that only you can fix the problem. Yes. And the PCs tend to be the the linchpin of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they are either you know the, they are the chosen ones or they have the one thing that fits. You know, the the player has the special locket. You yes, know, and it's from their family, or there's a prophecy. Oh, the prophecy, prophecies, one. The prophecies, prophecies. Yep. And and he look, look, look. We're we are kind of half rolling our eyes at these because they're very common tropes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. only just because we're we're very seasoned in this and stuff like that. And it's, it's not. These are okay. Like, absolutely. there's nothing wrong with there's this. Nothing wrong. We've used I, these. I have I have 100 percent done the prophecy chosen uh, chosen by the gods. I'm currently run a prophecy prop plot. <laughs> Currently a contrived a, prophecy you plot. You actually are running a contrived prophecy plot. I actually did not did did not occur to me when I was writing this up. Yep, that um, I am running a contrived prophecy plot. Uh, so, anyways, those things are uh, uh perfectly acceptable to have around. Um, yeah, and such like that. So, and and those are those are great ways of getting around this because I mean, it answers the obvious question: Why us? You're the chosen one. Yeah. Why us? There's a prophecy that says it has to be you. My other one that I always like is the. Uh, 
there are no other options but you. You know, like, the you know, we're at war. All of my armies are devoted here. Mm-hmm. My guards are currently busy. You know, I don't have the assets to apply. So I'm yes. going to go and grab some rando assets using money and handle the situation. And often it isn't the king who's getting you. And it's not his liaison to... It isn't the liaison to the crown. It's some guild master down the line who, you know, as the as the poop rolls downhill, eventually some dude has to go get a bunch of adventurers to go take care of this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's it's an asset issue. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's that's probably the best and easiest way to solve the hero contrivance. Honestly, yeah. is is just when you're writing your plot, mm-hmm. anticipate the question of why us, and then meticulously wrap up all other available assets <laughs> in some way. <laughs> and you may find that there's some really great answers to, to to this that come up in your world building when you start answering the hero contrivance of like, you know, okay, well. How do I get the, character, the king's spy master out of the way? Mm-hmm. Which leads you to ask, what would occupy a spy master? Mm-hmm. Well, a great amount of intrigue, right? Mm-hmm. What great amount of intrigue, related or unrelated to my plot, can I put in the background? And suddenly, as you start answering the hero contrivance, you start coming up with some really great world building. Just don't go crazy. I yeah, mean, yeah, one yeah. of my favorite ones that falls under the asset thing, I mean, it sits in line with it, is the one that we said was, it's below my notice. Like, the uh, the whole idea that they're, they're not going to send a, a military force, even if it's a squad, to go take care of some quote-unquote rat problems in the sewer, which oh, are actually... Or or goblins, you know, butchering some cows in a field. Sure. Hire some mercenaries, throw some gold at it, yeah. get done with it. You know? Like, literally, that's that's the words that come out of it, is that, you know, like, your group is literally just having money thrown at them. Or, you know, or it's, it's not the local duke's problem. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, our farmers are having issues. Ugh, fine. Farmers are always having farmers issues. Farmers always have issues. Like, y- you guys should take care of that. So then the farmers have to get together and take care of the problem. Seven Hence... Samurai style. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And We've got bandit problems. They're raiding our rice farm. Sounds like a you problem, guys. Like, yeah, uh... you should probably get your rice out of the fields faster then and to me faster. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Well, then what are we going to eat? Well, that's a you problem. Your mm-hmm. farmers farm more. Right, you know, right. And so now you're back to it's below my notice is, is a great contrivance. It brings it down to a very narrow level. Now, that only works, of course, if it actually is below their notice. <laughs> That's if it's true. like a dragon is uh, terrorizing the entire countryside, just raising whole civilizations. Okay, cool. Why us? Well, you know, it's below my note. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, no it's, it's not. not. You're losing a city a day here. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of gold to lose. That's a lot. Um,. um the one, the one that I love is mm-hmm. Cat's Paws. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, Overwatch is actually one, one ahead of us here in the live chat. He says plausible, yep, plausible deniability. deniability. If cat's you get paws. caught, it doesn't come back to the throne. That's and right. That's exactly what a cat's paw is. Is it's it's your expendable assets. Yep. Yep. Um, I, 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 most shadow runs are cat paws. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. That, that's the base contrivance that's, of it. It's the reason why you use shadow runners mm-hmm. is because they're de- they're plausible deniability de- disposable assets. Yep. You don't use corporate you know security for that. No, no, because you don't want them corporate to be shown. uniforms yeah, yeah exactly they're going to be using corporate bullets and corporate guns with corporate cameras and <laughs> exactly that's right people know then um i think the last one um is often the hardest one because it has to come later uh because unless your players are already playing in-depth characters having an obligation or an owed favor 
carry weight becomes kind of an issue. You, you know, can, you can pull it off with a cut with a, with a well written backstory. No, that's what I'm saying. If you've got a, yeah. if you've got seasoned players at your table who have these who have elaborate characters who are in embodying their characters very well, and you say, "Well, you owe this guy a favor," and they're like, "Oh yeah, I do owe that guy a favor." They just accept it. Mm-hmm. Boom. Then you're fine. Then, 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 then rolling into that becomes something natural. Now, there are systems that naturally put that in there for you, that where a player says, oh, I owe a favor, because, like, 7C has that, yeah. has obligations and things. Boom, you've just written yourself a plot. Sure, sure. You know, and that's where contrivance can start fading very quickly, mm-hmm. is when the player gives it to you, it feels less contrived. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's the key about hero contrivance, is, is that it's not a matter that it is a realistic edge to it so much as it is an acceptable answer and or one that your players can easily invest into and i think that's where once they get the investment once they're stepped into it and they've vested themselves into that contrivance it no longer becomes one it's just accepted that they are now part of the problem and walking away from it becomes their issue so and i i think that's that that's where i always feel that the contrivance fades an obligation steps in. Yeah. Like I am now owning this issue. Damn it. Yeah. You know, yeah, if yeah. I step away from it now, it's it, it's not just the way people are going to look at me. It's that it's literally going to follow me. Yes. So. Yes. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I fed the cat. Now the cat comes back. Now the cat follows me. Son of a. Now God. it's my cat. Darn it. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. That's and that's that's one of the greatest ways to actually you know offload the hero contrivance. At a certain point in your in your thing, you're kind of going from the gig economy, you know, of like, oh, we've been hired by, mm-hmm. um, you know, at a certain point that 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 only gets makes your plot so interesting. You know, your mm-hmm. your, your players will only follow money so far, um, but make something personal and suddenly you don't have to have come up with any sort of contrivance of why us because it's our problem. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and, and I think location stories do that very well. Uh, when we talked about that, once the players have ownership and they're the ones taking ownership of the world, I think City of Mist does this really well. Um, I think that Dungeon World does this well with the bonds, mm-hmm. that it gives you that feeling of ownership to be able to to let the plot, let the characters... Let me see how I can put this. Not let the characters, but... Um, have those characters take ownership of moving the plot forward because they feel they are they are obligated to do so they have the drive to do so they've put themselves in that position sure. where they've they want to see resolution yeah yeah absolutely and, and now you've got that you've got them embedded in that so um but it's always that opening gambit that you've got to get past and try and figure out and Keep it as simple as possible mm-hmm. is is always a great way to look at that. Um, I have the problem that I like doing what you were talking about, which was like, why is it below the king? And then I build this ridiculous tree background <laughs> that I want to talk about. But really, none of that matters. None of it is, matters. It is literally beyond the mountains of what the players are going to yes. see. Yes. It's nice to know that. But it's well beyond what the players see. Exactly. It's it's, it's you, you write it down so that when that one cheeky player says, why is this our problem? You go, well, the other dude's busy. And then you have an answer for that possible follow-up question of, what's he doing? And, you know, if you don't want the answer to be none of your damn business, that's, you know. 
Right. You at least know. And then if they go somewhere that involves that plot you've already written, you know that guy might show up, you know. Yep. But it's but it's all background. Yep. All background. You yep. don't ever have to reveal any of that stuff to anybody. But at least you have the answer for right. it. Heatsink did bring up another one, but I, it kind of falls into some of the stuff we've already talked about. And that is, is that if you're tricked into doing something. Oh, yeah. You think you're doing one thing when really you're doing another. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, at that point, it's it, it's. Do you walk away? Can you walk away? You know, it's the, I got put in prison because I didn't think I was stealing. I thought I was picking up goods. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think I think that one works best with, um, uh, when, when, in, when we're talking about it in the scope of the hero contrivance of why does it have to be the PCs. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the, the aspect of someone's got like a personal vendetta against the PCs but plays it off as they've just been hired for some random job mm-hmm. to get them in one place. Like, I think the pilot episode of Leverage is actually like that, isn't it? Yes, yes. It's, it's they're, they're specifically hired to do the job that they do in that, in that to get them all in the same place. Right. So that the job gets done, but then those specific people can be done away with. Right. Um, and, and loose ends get tied up. But then, they, of course, they find out about it and they... Right. they turn the jig around and the right. story continues past episode one. Uh, but what that brings up to me is one that rotated that whole concept. And, and, and I appreciate uh, Pete's like, I pray for you, appreciate you bringing that up because it triggered my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, players in one game, the, 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 the DM started them off in jail. Uh huh. Like had all their characters, like uh, the last thing you all, uh, the last thing you guys uh, all remember is you were, you were doing a job together. Mm-hmm. Now you're all in jail. What was the job? Oh, How did it turn? Yeah. So he, he let them code the whole thing, but just told them the guy who got them the job. And they all, you know, he, he soured the job. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's all you know. And, you know, so let's talk through it. And so they created this whole backstory, which connected all the players, made them all feel great. He, everybody thought it was wonderful. And they were like, okay, so this is a great way to get us all together. Fantastic. So they all agreed they were going to get this guy, right? Somehow they were going to get him back for putting them in jail. Sure. And, and they just wanted their money. Sure. They just wanted their money. Like, we did the job. Give us our money. Mm-hmm. And so they hunt this guy. They're finding all of his connections. They're discovering that he's part of this other group. They find out that he's running artifacts. They start connecting all these things. They start stealing his artifacts, you know, st- so that they can get to him basically doing the, like, just give me my $2, mm-hmm. like that kind of a thing. And they finally get to him. And that's the plot is that they don't realize they're thwarting an actual plot the entire time just trying <laughs> to get to this guy. He, he has no idea what they're doing, but the whole actual plot of him getting these artifacts, bringing them together, taking them to a specific place so that he can get to this other thing, you know, that's even more powerful. They have no idea that he's doing that. I'm pretty sure that's the plot of the movie Payback, if I remember pretty correctly. Much. Yes. It's pretty much the plot of Payback. I'm going to take down this entire crime ring. <laughs> Why? Because you owe me $22,000. There it is. $300,000. The closest you'll ever get to it. No, it's not it's I, I don't I don't want 300 22, 22 that's all 22 is my cut like yeah, that's it that's it it's that simple <laughs> just open the briefcase just give me the 22 you can keep the other 200 and whatever yeah you you killed half of my people like destroyed all this stuff yeah because you didn't pay me my twenty two thousand dollars <laughs> three weeks ago could have solved this whole problem exactly, you know exactly but now you've made it personal <laughs> <laughs> but I I loved that the that the the turn for the players on that one was we're doing what now? Like you're doing what now with the what? 
And they were all like, oh, this thing we've been hearing about, that's you? Oh, yeah. That, uh, we're going to stop that, too. We're going to stop that, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not doing that. Remember how you, we said we were going to give you the artifacts back if you just paid us? No. You're going to pay us, and you're not raising the evil god. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but mostly you're going to pay us. Exactly. Exactly. So, um. The the other the other the other really good thing uh, that I know about uh, solving the hero contrivance is to put really capable NPCs into your world. Yes, and this is kind of how I've gotten around mine. Um, is that uh, I I put you guys as one of many NPCs in your in your particular groups. Yes. Um, and put a lot of other capable NPCs around you. So then, if it comes down to like, um. You know, well, why why are we doing this? Well, because the other team's on another job. Yeah. You know, uh, but there are more than just you're, you there. You're just one of many. It's not you're not special. Mm-mm. You're just members of the Fighters Guild or the Mages Guild. Like, yeah. Clearly, there are other people here. Right. You're just doing this job. Right. You know. Yeah. And suddenly, you don't feel like the only fish in the pond anymore. And the question of why us never comes up. Right. You know, why are we going with Double O Eight? Because Double O Seven's busy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And yeah. 006 is on vacation for another week, you know, yeah. so... Somewhere. <laughs> it's, so it's you. Yeah. Exactly. You're, um, you're the one qualified. Exactly. You know. uh, and and the really great thing that I love about this one, um, and this may or may not be a thing, uh, is uh, if things ever turn sour, you now have NPC antagonists that are already on the PC's level. If you have a, if you ever have a falling out with your allies with whatever organizations those 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 people are, ah. if alliances switch, you now already have canon NPCs mm-hmm. that are on your character's levels that are now their rival peers. Right, and that's really great. I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to do this, Tony. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you end up with those sort of those, those sort of interactions. You know, we we talk a lot about John Wick. Yeah, uh, on on the show, um, for, for what a great story that was, as straightforward as it was. Mm-hmm. But um, and I think it was the second John Wick film, um, where you, where you start learning a lot more about the the assassin the society, other ones, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. And you see a lot of that interaction where mm-hmm. they're they're like, "Hey, John, welcome back," but I'm sorry, <laughs> like you're uh, X marked, so yeah, you're you're marked, so I can't help you help you. I can maybe do this. I cannot shoot you in the head at this exact moment. Right. Or something like that. But those are cool interactions when you're seeing John Wick's peers. Right. Other people who are just as capable doing the same job as him. Right. Now suddenly pitted against him and stuff like that. And it makes for very real threats. Uh, in in the uh, Agent 47 movie uh, that was put out, uh, there's a scene where literally two other agents show up and they've got they've all got guns pointed at each other twin hands out there's so the three of them are in a triad and they all kind of look at each other like okay we're gonna do this like masters and they all put their guns back uh-huh you know set them away take us take like two steps back pull their weapon melee weapon of choice okay let's do this like men and mm-hmm. go back at it and it's it's a neat scene because you can see that they're all like, let's do this. Like we do, we're stepping away from the professional. We're giving each other professional courtesy. Yes. Yes. You know, and I, I love those moments. There was a, another, I think it was, was John wick that did it where he plunges a knife into the guy's chest and he's just like, don't remove this. 
If you remove it, you'll die instantly. But right. you can get to a hospital. Exactly. No, no call for help. No. Yeah. 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 Help will come. Wait mm. for it. Don't move much. There's uh, my my favorite version of that was in Get Shorty. Yes. Uh, okay. Where, uh, the, the guy accosts him at his car or something like that, and he ends up like just uh, knocking the wind out of him. I think yeah. he solar plexes it's him like, or no, something no, like just, that. Just like, no, sit, sit down, down, sit down. down. Take deep. You're not going to be able to breathe. Just don't panic. Just yeah. take deep breaths when you can. Okay. No, don't pass out of me. You're easy. Yeah, all right. All right. Okay. Good. You okay? Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's um. It's yeah. But I I love those interactions because they're so much more meaningful than just oh now there's a guy trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. There's and I don't remember where this quote comes from, but it was a, one that's really stuck with me is that it's there's something about knowing the name of the guy trying to break your face in that makes it that much more personal. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you could you could I could send assassins after you, mm-hmm. you know, um, but like if I sent Lyra and Cassia after your character. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're wincing. Yeah. Because, you know, Lyra and Cassia. Yeah. You know who they are. You know You know the love they have for each other. You know how they got into the job. I know what other people are going to think of me. Yeah, exactly. What did you do to make Lyra and Cassia come after you? It was a job. Exactly. Now suddenly, like, and like I said, I just dropped two names. Yep. And it changes the whole dynamic. Yep. yep. It changes the whole dynamic. Yep. So not only does it fix the hero contrivance, but it lays that groundwork And for I think you. that's fantastic, that kind of impact. Yes. All right, so second part. All right, so. The world doesn't move unless you do. Now, we, 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 we refer to this also as the Skyrim paradox, mm-hmm. which is, there are dragons attacking the city. You, dragonborn, must go there and save them. Okay, that's fine. But uh, right now I'm looking for iron ingots so I can make nails to help build my house by the lake so I can raise my child and, ki- and, and, and wife, you know? Three months later. <laughs> <laughs> dragonborn, are you ever going to get around? To, to, to The dragons are destroying the city. Ah, dra- the city looks fine. Yeah. You got any more of those iron ingots? Because I'm, I'm trying to put an additional wing on the house now. Exactly. We adopted a second child, so, yep. Yep. you know. I've also been really interested in the Black Hand. Yeah. They've been calling me. They've been calling me and stuff like that. Um, and then there's that whole beacon thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you've got, uh, basically what this comes down to is um, plot urgency not being a thing. Mm-hmm. Because the the world revolves so much around the heroes that unless the heroes are directly interacting with something, um, that plot doesn't advance. Right. Nobody outside it's it's an object permanency problem is what it comes down to. Nobody outside of the field of view of the PCs exists and accomplishes anything. Right. And it's it's another way where your 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 players will see the seams in your storytelling. Yeah. Because it's like, wait a minute, this guy was you know ready to march his armies. On on this you know this kingdom or whatever, and then we went on a side quest, and you're telling me he hasn't marched his armies on them yet, right? And you, we see this in movies as well uh-huh. that um, until you reach the third act, when the race, when when the stakes are known and the race begins, that's really when timing comes into play. Yeah, and even then, it's a little flexible, like you know, like the number of bullets in in, in a gun, flexible. <laughs> yeah, you know, where it's like, oh my gosh, the timer is has four minutes on it. Didn't didn't you just run down three corridors, four flights of stairs, swing across the whole thing, fight a guy for a good 
five minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Didn't the bomb go off? (laughs) Anytime there's a timer on something and it's Mm -hmm. like it shows it going from 10, 9, and then there's three minutes of action. Mm -hmm. Four, three, (laughs) two minutes of dialogue. Yeah. Two. (laughs) Yeah. In those sequences, I realize those people are like, I don't know, level 55 characters because they can do 16 actions in a second. You know, in five seconds. Exactly. So, um, but I think trying to solve this one and this is this is where i kind of get things is, is that it can create uh, anxiety or choice paralysis yeah because you're creating a, a timer effectively exactly and what you can i've seen a lot of people with some with some solutions to this some interesting solutions mm-hmm. um but i i think in trying to resolve this issue, a lot of storytellers will swing things entirely so hard to the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, have you ever seen anyone pull out an hourglass at the table? Oh, <laughs> yes, but that's only because players couldn't get their shit together and, and come up with an idea. Okay, valid, <laughs> valid. I think that one's valid. But I, I have seen it before. Well, I, I, I've never been at a table where this happened. Okay, so I, I want to clarify this. This is all secondhand. I've heard stories about yeah. um, uh, storytellers who, uh, like, when a well, in fact, Matthew Mercer has done this. He has. Um, it, very rarely. Yeah. Very rarely. Uh, I don't think he's done it. I don't think he did it at all during campaign two, and it may have even only occurred like once mm-hmm. in very early campaign one. Um, but uh, something like a trap. You know, mm-hmm. okay, so that the ceiling begins to slowly descend as you trigger this trap, and like the room is coming down to crush you, and he sets an hourglass on the table. What are you doing? And then everybody's looking at that hourglass, and now they're not thinking clearly. And on one hand, you're thinking, okay, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. This is kind of realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, if the room really was coming down to crush you, and you only had 45 seconds to figure that out before it started to seriously shorten your lifespan figuratively and literally, <laughs> um, you know, you wouldn't be thinking clearly either. You'd be in a panic state. Right. The problem comes down to, this is a game, mm-hmm. and some of us want to tell a story and feel heroic and win at the end of the day and stuff like that. And I'm not yeah. saying, like, you have to let your players win. That's not where I'm going with this. But, no. like, creating a sense of anxiety at the table may be just fine and actually fun for some. It may actually be crippling and um, mentally harmful to others. Yeah, depending just straight on... up not enjoyable. Straight, straight up not enjoyable. I yeah. mean, I literally just left work. I'm dealing with a stressful thing as it is. I don't need a timer on top of my life to tell me that my life is already running out of time. Yeah, I got I got enough deadlines already. Yeah. IRL. Yeah. 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 And believe me, there's enough things in my life that tell me that timelines are short with life. Please do not add this on. Exactly. So, you know? no, and, and no. Hourglasses are a um a short term. They're like for a scene or something like that. Yeah. But now, one of the things that that I did see uh, mm-hmm. that you brought hourglasses is someone used a block hourglass style where literally he set out 12 or 15 blocks on the table okay every every time there was an uh it was either an action or a turn he would reach over and grab one and they were like what's that it's your timer Mm -hmm. so they're like when i take an action oh no we we don't have many left okay okay guys we need to figure this out and 
Yeah. So each one of their actions then became more now, and that was in a game that wasn't like uh, D and D where where it was based on seconds, but it was based upon actionary scenes, and you know groups could do actions together and things sure, like that. Sure. More like Savage World. Um, but I thought that that was a really good way of doing it as well because it gave them the luxury of thinking about their actions, but still showed a defined time. Sure, sure, sure. You have a limited number of actions rather than you have 60 real-life seconds to consider this and come up with a solution, you know? Right, right. You know, you're, are, are you going to make the plane as your your race, as you see mm-hmm. it rolling down the tarmac? It's going to take off in this many actions. So all of this discussion is kind of building us up to uh, what we really want to talk about on the, the, the sort of macro scale of how do you move a whole plot like that with a sort of sense of a sort of sense of urgency to remove the contrivance the, to, to remove the contrivance that the world is not moving unless the players are interacting with it. Mm-hmm. And um, the Powered by the Apocalypse system, I believe it's Powered by the Apocalypse uh, has a great way of, of dealing with this. Um, I know you said the rules were also in City of Mist. Correct. I had the City of Mist book sitting up on my shelf, and I didn't even grab it when we were talking about this. <laughs> I, I had my nose buried in Dungeon World. Yeah. Um, Dungeon World has something called fronts, which act yes. in a lot of the same ways. Uh, you were telling me about that, yeah. They're a bit different, but regardless, uh, the part by the Apocalypse system kind of introduced the concept of doom clocks. Mm-hmm. And now doom clocks sound really big and scary, um, mm-hmm. hence the word doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really more of a way of uh, just making sure that the plot progresses in a meaningful way uh, and that to give the players a sense of a sense of urgency and something to actually work against. Um, the, the villain's plot is only a threat if you have any intention of following through on it, you know? And if you're not intending to follow through on it, that's fine. But, you know, that's 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 the least realistic way of doing it. Your villain right. just has no teeth then. So what do you do about that? Well, you set up a you set up a kind of a doom clock. Um, which is essentially your 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 pro, your your antagonist's itinerary. Yeah, I mean to a degree. It it's it's not done in a micro sense, it's done in an event triggered sense. Mm-hmm. Meaning that events will happen based upon triggers. Um and this is more of a, a way to telegraph to your players that events are unfolding. Um it's it is used in writing, uh as a as a writing prose to help you remind your antagonist what's going on mm-hmm. without doing full exposition of, you know, the mustache twirling bad guy in a second scene that the antagonist doesn't, the protagonist doesn't see. Right. You right. know, um, I do that. I'll flat out do that in 7C. I'll show you a scene of the antagonist mm-hmm. that the player, that the characters do not get privy to see, you know, so that you know an event is occurring so that when you get to a connected point of that event, you're like, oh, as a player, I'm seeing the connection. Yep. And that helps do the one thing that this, I think, does a, a very good job of, and that is connecting the player to what the character knows. Mm-hmm. The character is aware of the impending moments and what is going on around them far better than the player is ever. Exactly, exactly. We we play once a month, mm-hmm. and now, because of some unfortunate <laughs> circumstances on both of our parts, it's yep. going to be two months between our games. Yes. 
how good, even if you write meticulous notes, mm-hmm. do you think you're going to exactly remember the events of last game? Dude, I barely remember where I am in New World, and I played that the other night, and I was alone, and it was just me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could not tell you. And I'm I'm not saying that that's old timers kicking in, and I'm not saying that I have a life. This yeah. is what I'm focused on. I have a job. I have a family. Mm-hmm. I have other things that are going on. But for Theodane... He is literally just frozen the in time. Of yeah, he's frozen in time. And those goblins that you guys fought on, uh, God, what was it? September 18th. Yes. Are still freshly still, dead. Still fresh corpses. Yeah. Uh, and you will be waking up the next morning when we play again, maybe sometime in November. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so those events are still very fresh in his mind. Yeah. And he's. He doesn't depend on the descriptions I'm giving. He doesn't nope. depend on the, you know, the, the ambience. He doesn't get, you know, hungry and wander off in the middle of a uh, uh, mm-hmm. in the middle of a description and miss a critical detail. No, nope. you know, these are all just very th- these are day to day moment moment things for him. Mm-hmm. So why not give your players a little more of that information? Yep. You know. Yep. Why not let them see a little bit of the strings that control the system to give them. A more informed choice. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where uh, one of the reasons why I really like the concept of a doom clock mm-hmm. um, is is because, first off, if you if you are ever lost as a storyteller, mm-hmm. just refer back to your doom clock. Yep. What was my villain doing again? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. If you don't ever know what to do, go back to your doom clock. Yep. Whatever the next thing you're working towards is how your plot should be advancing. And it is malleable. It there's very there's an end goal. Your end goal sits there. Is is what's going to be the end of this doom clock? Now, your end of your doom clock doesn't have to be the end of your plot. Sure, it can just be the end of a series of actions, mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. That's a great way of doing it. When your when your doom clock runs out, something should change. Mm-hmm. Something should fundamentally change in your story. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know if the villain gets uh, you know is working towards getting a magical artifact or something like mm-hmm. that. The end of your Doom Clock, maybe he acquires that artifact. Is the story over? No, he's just the villain plus an artifact now. Right. But, but that artifact should unlock some options for him, right. which he can then pursue in the next act of your story. Right. You know, something has fundamentally changed. We can't deal with him anymore the same way we were because he has this thing mm-hmm. that changes stuff. You know, or his boys walk in and say, you know, show me the artifact and they open the box and the box is empty not one not two not three but four stones four (laughs) i loved that scene that right there was a break point in the story Mm -hmm. and he he knew what he was expecting in that but never got it Uh, and we're talking fifth element sorry movie sure sure Um, sure sure. but the it's the scene is very simple a bunch of uh, low-level guys are sent out to go get material to mm-hmm. get specific stones because he needs them because someone else wants him to get it somebody up higher and that scene is basically him not getting the stones and <clears throat> that is a way that a that a doom clock can shift it doesn't change the doom clock still happened the event still occurred right. he's still trying to get the stones but the two pieces are he either gets the case with no stones in it or he doesn't get the you know he doesn't get the stones altogether, but he gets notified. This is the point where he didn't get the stones. Mm-hmm. Okay, pl- 
plan B. We need to go get those stones. Yep. And the only way to do that is to do it yourself. Yep. You know, and now he's got to go handle that situation. And that's that's when you know, that's when you prepare for what the next step is. And again, along those triggers is are things that are going to change. Maybe it's the tactics of the henchmen. Maybe it's what the next trigger is going to be. Mm-hmm. But you still have to remember that end of that line is going to be, like you said, a significant change that the PCs um, recognize as a as a plot change, a shift in in feeling and an impact that yeah. occurs. Yeah. You know, the maniacal laughing on the hill and the, the giant visage of him, you know, because now he has the ultimate weapon. Great. That that's a great way of doing it. Or the the harrowed scream that he didn't get it and your your as your carriage rides off into the darkness of the night, you know, and you hear the opening of the grand gate and horse hooves and and carts wheeling out after you and and the sounds of uh, of war horns blowing mm. in behind you knowing that you are soon to be chased. Okay, great. That's a shift. You now know that you are being chased. Great. Mm-hmm. Or you now know you have to go take care of him. Yeah. You know. Uh, now the other the other thing too about about doom clocks is that you just want to make sure that you're not um, say overdoing it with the consequences. <laughs> yes. uh, so we we had a really good discussion about we this did. where um, uh, we, we were kind of putting our show together, uh, our show notes and whatnot, um, and. Uh, Rob was like, yeah, you know, when when, you, when your doom clock, you know, hits hits midnight or whatever, you know, you find out that, you know, because you didn't go and, and slay the dragon, that, like, the dragon has destroyed the town. And he, like, went for five minutes describing this, like, flaming scene of carnage with the dragon perched upon it. And he's, like, still chewing on a guard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I need to say something about that description. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, go ahead. I hate it. <laughs> And he's like, okay. okay. I said, not not your description. Like, your description was very vivid. Don't get me wrong. I loved everything about it. But, like, if you did that in an actual game, I would hate the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. I said, because it takes so much agency away from me. Like, like your my choice was between A or B. Okay, you put that choice in front of me. I could choose A or I could choose B. But because I chose B... You wiped a city off the map, and now, because you posed it as a choice between I can resolve A or I can resolve B, because I chose to resolve B, A went unresolved, and those thousands of deaths in that city that that dragon just wiped off the map are now on my hands. I mean, it's dark. It's really dark, and it's a lot to saddle a player with. It is. So I think if you, I, I think there would be games that could be that dark. But I agree that the actions. Let's see if I can get this right. The action should not damn or create consequences that are outside the scope of the story. Yes. Yes. So if the scope of the story is, hey guys. You know, uh, we know that there's a dragon. You know, we, we we just accidentally woke up the dragon inside the mountain, and he's probably going to get pretty pissed off and go looking for this thing that we just took from him. Okay, well, what are we going to do? <sighs> well, we really should go talk to this guy about it and see if we can figure out how to unlock its power, you know, before we go and do anything with that dragon. But, okay, let's go take care of that. Mm-hmm. You know, great. You're not going to go take care of the dragon in one false swoop. 
the the consequences don't weigh out the actions in that. Knox in the box actually actually put put it in some really great terms in the live chat here. <laughs> he says, "Did you just mass affect me?" Um. Ma- yeah, it's interesting you should put it that way because the Reapers are a very great. Like, if you know Mass Effect, so right. the Reapers are these like I mean they are bigger than. God, I saw an actual size comparison. Like, stand a st- Imperial Star Destroyer up on its end, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure it's longer than a Reaper. Okay, that that's how colossally big these things are. Right, right. Okay, they destroy whole planets mm-hmm. when they they like you only need six of them to land on a planet, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yep. You know, um, if even that many. Uh, and the gravity alone, and, and and they bring friends. So of don't course. like, of course they 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 come. They 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 are there to eliminate civilization, galactic civilizations. Mm-hmm. So they're on that scale. But like, okay, so Shepard shows up at a planet where the Reapers are, and the Reapers are destroying everything and stuff like that, and people are dying by the millions and such like that. Does anybody at ever point in that story look at look at Shepard and go, "You didn't defeat the Reapers." What the hell, Shepard? Well, turn them back from our land. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's wrong with you, Shepard? God, well, you really messed this one up. Like, no, the Reapers are just going to show up, man. Mm-hmm. Shepard's not stopping them. Shepard might be there to mitigate. Mm-hmm. Shepard might be there to to save a specific someone or, you know, resolve a plot before the planet gets wiped out that's important to something else right. going on, you know. But in the get, scope of the story... But in the scope of the story, like, no, you're not stop. You're not standing in the way of the Reapers. You and your little pulse rifle are not standing in the way of the Reapers. Like, no. that's, not, that's not happening. Yeah, and I, I think that that's true for a lot of characters, uh, you know... That Halo guy mm-hmm. uh, has the same problem. Yeah, you know, the, the flood. He's not stopping. John's the not flood. stopping the flood. You know. So it's it's uh, it's important that you don't make your doom clocks set up in a way that is going to damn your players with the blood of thousands on them and stuff like that. Right. No, you may. You know, I would say offer your players the choice. Like, you know, absolutely. And I would say I say show them the choice. One hundred percent. Yeah. If if you've got you know like they the. The villain wants to distract them by trying to set up, uh, uh, you know, he's going to attack A while he's trying to steal something from B. You can either stop his attack at A, mm-hmm. but he will end up with the thing he's trying to steal. Mm-hmm. Or you stop him at B, he does not get the thing, but something bad is going to happen at A. Right. Now, if if it is like a Reaper's situation, if it is like a Dragon situation, stuff like that, mm-hmm. obviously you're not... You're not stopping that. But what you could do is maybe save the royal family. Right. Get them out of the town before it's destroyed. Sure. Um, you might be able to save another, you know, another friendly NPC or something like that. You might mm-hmm. be able to get a special artifact that maybe is the other thing the you need. bad guy is looking for. Right. Out of the way. Right. You know, you can you can scrape small victories out of things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't. Don't capitalize the D in Doom Clock is what yeah, I'm coming down to. Exactly, you know? exactly. Set your weights accordingly. Understand that, um, and it is exceptionally hard to say, to to just say simply put yourself in the player's cho- choice shoes. Mm-hmm. But they don't know what you know. But you have to. We come back to the previous. You have to let them know what the characters know. Exactly, and that's why I say spell it out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, because like how uh, so so how often has this happened at your tables where um, the storyteller presents a an option to you. Okay, you guys need to solve this big problem. And then just sits back and crosses their arms and lets you guys talk. Mm-hmm. How long does that talk go on? Mm-hmm. 
before you come to any sort of viable solution to that problem because you start what ifing yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, what if we don't understand the bounds of the problem? What if the problem is much bigger than we think it is? Right. And what if they've planned for these contingencies? It can't be just as easy as we go talk to this guy and it stops, mm-hmm. even if it is in the storyteller's mind as easy as you guys could just ask him not to. Right. You know, because you don't have the information to act upon. Um, the other thing that, that, that tends to happen too is, uh, analysis paralysis. Yes. You could resolve this any way you want. Well, gee, that's a lot of options. Mm -hmm. I can do anything. We're going to be here for days. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, and so by, by kind of putting those things in front of your characters and kind of showing them the doom clock. Yeah. Of like, yeah, um, he's going to try to do this. You can make an informed, your players can make an informed decision that feels informed mm-hmm. and heroic. And it removes some of the levels of anxiety. Yeah. Because I think that's the, the, the biggest problem with the Doom Clock is that you're not trying to show, you're not trying to give anxiety. You're trying to give a little tension, a little, mm-hmm. so that there is a sense of urgency, but not a sense of, in, of impending stress that they have to complete it a specific way. I don't even, I don't even know that it's, that it's urgency even the, the the doom clocks are 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 what you're trying to accomplish with it. it's it's motion it's momentum momentum that's really the word that's yeah. a better word for it uh i mean and and urgency comes with that yeah because if you don't do something to counteract the momentum of the bad guy obviously he, he achieves his goals right. and that that implies urgency mm-hmm. but but yeah it's a sense of momentum and it's a sense of and it's a sense of movement some games have a a higher sense of momentum or even a sense of 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 emergent urgency that happen in them there are heist games mm-hmm. that literally like state in their rules that they want this game to have a sense of urgency and as you get closer and closer to the end of the of each one of the trigger scenes you should feel like you're on the edge of your seat. Like, oh God, are we going to pull this off? Blades in the Dark. That's yeah. one of them, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, there is one that's, I think, called Triggers um, that is a uh, um, a heist game. And then there's Heist, um, which also can have that sense as well. Um, so yeah, you're, there are definitely places where this stuff shines and, and players are aware that that is part of the, I guess you could say the the fabric of the the mechanics of the game, um, that it's going to have a sense of urgency, a sense of, of tension and mm-hmm. anxiety in it. But, like, if that's not within the framework of your game, then don't put in there if your players are, are going to just be unprepared for it. Yeah, yeah. And prepare them. If you're like, hey, I really, you know, this next part is going to have a sense of urgency, is that something that you guys are acceptable of? Mm-hmm. You know, and if they're like, no, I need this to be a lot lighter. Okay, lighten it up, change, ch- change, change the tempo, but keep the direction and momentum. Yeah, keep the direction, direction, and momentum, and and I, I think a lot of that can be resolved, uh, like I said, by by equipping your your players with mm-hmm. uh, with information and stuff like that. Telegraph some moves. It's fine, guys. Um, I I, I kind of went on a little bit of a rant during our prep session mm-hmm. about spoiler culture. Oh yeah, and how I it really annoys me that our our culture has in recent years become so um, heavily focused on spoilers where you can't reveal anything about what's coming. Keep behind the shield, behind the shield. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I'm listening to um, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff, specifically another podcast, uh, Savage Interludes Mm -hmm. um, about Savage Worlds. And uh, they're, they're very pro, like 
arming your players with information mm-hmm. and telegraphing your moves, rolling your dice out in the open. Don't use a DM screen, Mm-mm. you know, um, because why? Why mm-hmm. bother? You're just there to tell a story. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, don't tell them what the what the plot is. Right. But like I, me telling you like, OK, you've you've got a clear choice between A or B. Mm-hmm. Rather than me just going, you can do anything. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I've narrowed it down to two things for you. Could you come up with an alternative? Maybe. Sure. If a player says, well, can we do this thing? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You now have a third option on the table. Sounds yep. good. Yep. You know, um, but absolutely. Like, you do do that, you know. Yeah. Uh, one of the other discussions I got in was um, uh, talking about bennies mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and using bennies and stuff like that. Should you tell the players the possible outcomes and the possible failure consequences of a roll before they roll Mm -hmm. so that they can make an informed choice on whether they want to spend a Benny on it to re-roll it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing worse than going, okay, uh, roll, you know, perception or or roll notice or roll uh, persuasion or something like that. Okay, I'm roll persuasion. Boom. Oh, it's a three. Okay, well, do you want to spend a Benny? No, I'll keep the Benny. Okay, well, this awful outcome happens and you're like, well, shoot, now I, I didn't know it was going to be that important. Now I, you know, really wish I would have spent a Benny, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's the thing my character's good at. And and that's, I think, where, like, 7C Second Edition's consequences and benefits come from. When you come into a scene, you're you're rolling to see how many raises you get to take care of the consequences and gain some benefits mm-hmm. out of it. So, you know, again, I'm having to mitigate, you know, going through a room with fire in it and bad guys damage from the bad guys, damage from the fire, and making it to the exit. That's my three things. Yeah. Right? I got to make three raises just to get that. And then I can steal the note. I can... Rescue um, the innocent. I, I, I can close... Yeah. You know, I can I can block the way mm-hmm. so that we have less problems in the next scene. Um, or I can rescue an innocent, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that. Um, or if I have enough raises, come up with my own extra benefit that comes out of that. And you can maybe assist others by giving your raises to other people. But you know the consequences of what's going on in that room just as clearly as the character does. Exactly. That's that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Yes. We're not talking about telegraphing 15 miles down the road. We're talking about telegraphing the scenes and the actions that your characters are involved with directly. Mm -hmm. So... All right, you want to get to questions? Of course, we got some good ones. All well, we right, good so ones. we got a couple here. Uh, Knox in the box asks, and this is a bit of a long question. Uh, it seems like when a DM or author is writing a story for the uh, avatar blank protagonist, <laughs> uh, that they can't make a story that's too specific for the avatar uh, and needs more generic plot than anyone else can plug into. Yes. Mm. A lot of video games will usually have a team or multiple factions of NPC characters where the avatar will join their cause. What are some of your favorite ways to make players feel like they're choosing their own path instead of just following the contrivances of a series of NPCs? Mm. Failed choice or, or, or the assumption of choice is a huge part of that. Is that illusion of choice. The illusion of choice. Yes. Um, and that is the... that. Your when your players come to the game, you can present, you can present your plot any number of ways to them that fits within their framework. That's the beauty of being able to tell the story live. Mm-hmm. Is that nothing is written and then you have to unwrite it. It's that the plot is malleable straight off the bat. Whereas with a video game, they've got to write everything in detail Has been and programmed. then yep. give a 
a programmatic bit of choice within that. So you have the flexibility of basically saying, yes, you could be part of the, you know, you can join up with the Thieves Guild, the Fighters Guild, the Mages Guild, um, or work directly for this Duke who who may or may not be a necromancer. Mm -hmm. And the group could pick any of those. All of them have the same goal. All of them have the same result. All of them are, I mean, everything's the same. Mm -hmm. The player doesn't know that. That's the key, is that literally it's blank bad guy, blank stuff, blank this, just insert the names of the appropriate people in there, and you can still roll the same story. Yeah, yeah. Nothing needs to change in that sense. Uh, that's definitely definitely a great way of doing it. Um, my favorite way of doing it is uh, just one of the, 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 the core tenets of Dungeon World. Be a fan of your players. Um, if a PC shows interest in something or expresses an intent to follow a specific path or achieve a specific goal, let them be a fan of them. Write yeah, that into, into your it. story. Uh, br- br- invent NPCs that would that would uh, entice them down that path or stand in their way on that path to make it bumpier for them and more interesting. Yep. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's all about knowing what your players' goals are. And then allowing them to tell that story. Yes. One of the one of the things I I like to ask during my session zeros is, what sort of story are you trying to tell with this character? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's just a basic question so that I know what content to put in there for you. Yep. You know, I want this to be a zero to hero story where my character grows from being a farmer to a master swordsman. Okay. I got a, I got three NPCs in mind already. Just saying that, yep. right there, of how I'm going to help you along your hero's journey. Yep. You know, um, and I, I think that's the best thing. And, and this and this can happen emergently too. It doesn't have to be a session zero thing. If uh, you know, mid game, you introduce an NPC and they're like, "Oh, that's so cool! I'm going after that." Uh, Steve and the dragon. Yes. Rigar and the dragon. Um, is is a big one. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that dragon existed until he did, mm-hmm. and now it is his life's goal to yep. slay that dragon either he or that dragon will end up dead yep and it will happen in the same room i, I have a she in my 7c game that was emergent uh-huh was literally just a one-shot character who was there to to deliver a little bit of information and be intrigue and a player latched on and suddenly he became an emergent character Said who was this important. is my new best friend now yeah now and now i'm going to make him emergent okay now he's in every plot yep and it's great. We all love him. Yep. He, he's, he, he's a great NPC. You love to hate him. You yeah. hate to love him, you know, but he's there and he's intriguing and he has a whole story of his own that is outside of the story of the plot. Yeah. But he's integrated. And it, and it, it happened emergently because mm-hmm. of, because the character said, this is what I want to do. Yep. And I find that that, that the thinner the plot line is, the, the, the more basic you make your plot line that isn't tied to your PCs. Again, mm-hmm. your PCs are emergently there. They are doing something outside of the plot. They discover the pl- Oh, and is it already time? I guess it is. You can find us on uh, t- oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave, on Mixlr at, uh, on Wednesday nights at Mixlr.com slash Storyteller Conclave. On Discord, you can find our links uh, on Twitter or on our webpage at StorytellerConclave.com. 
Uh, what a big, uh, big th- thank you shout out to Patreon members Knox in the Box, Sam, Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulubu. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for, for supporting us month after month. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you've apparently been listening to while we've been answering this question because we lost track of time, was only our footprints in the sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. We'd like to thank our families, Vicky and Sean who put up with us every single time we do this all of our friends who give us these great games to talk about and you our listeners we love you we love you so much good night, good night. <laughs>